Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Attending the annual Creating Change Conference has been a rite of passage for LGBTQ activists for over 30 years. We would come together share ideals, make new friends, catch up with old friends, and even find love. What's happened to creating change in the time of COVID? Pivoting to a virtual format in 2021, activists, organizers, and newbies were looking forward to coming together in 2022 in New Orleans when the Omicron variant of the coronavirus began showing up in communities around the world. After dealing with the momentary disappointment of having to cancel the in-person conference, the LGBTQ task force staff went to work reimagining creating change and looking forward to 2023 when the National LGBT Task Force will celebrate its 50th anniversary during creating change. Communications Director Kathy Renna is a veteran of creating change. She's watched the conference grow, not just by the number of participants, but in the programming, diversity, and inclusion of varying and new voices in the LGBTQ community. Conference Director Danny Linden is the new kid on the block. Danny joined the staff in 2021, but it's not new to the conference organizing and planning. He spent much of the past 31 years as a conference and events specialist, having spent years working on the Names Project AIDS Memorial Quilt in San Francisco before relocating to Washington, D.C. and working on both national and regional meetings for the National Minority AIDS Council and the National Association of People with AIDS. Kathy and Danny are here to talk about the Creating Change 2022 the shift to Creating Change 365, and the big celebration plan for 2023. Registration is now open for Creating Change 2022, which takes place virtually March 19th to 20th. Two days jam-packed with powerful presentations, plenaries, and information you don't want to miss. Kathy and Danny, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. Well, I'm here with one of my, I consider myself a task force family member. So I'm here with one of my sisters from, from, from another mother, Kathy Renner. And, you know, this is our time of year. Well, a little later, you know, we always had that one family reunion, which was creating change. And 
my year wouldn't be right without talking to you, Kathy, about creating change. I mean, we go back, I don't even know how far back we go, but it's been like forever, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like sometimes you have friends and the the tie that binds is creating change. You've been doing this for a minute now. How long have you been involved <laughs> with creating change in the task force? So I have probably only missed, let's say, two or three creating changes, and there have been 34. So y'all can do wow. that. Um, you, you started know, I, in kindergarten. <laughs> and it's just what you say. It's a family reunion, and it's always an awesome way to start out the year. But the last few years have been interesting, to say the least, right? But, you know, we are, we're scrappy and resilient at the task force, and we still bring people together no matter what we have to do to make it happen. You know, many in our community, myself included, we always consider creating change like the big gay family reunion. We all come together this way. And, um, you know, I have friends who have met and married from there, <laughs> met yeah. and divorced, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's always been like that. We've got, like a family, we have, you know, new additions, some by marriage, some by whatever. We have some new leadership, although it's many of the same faces and the same commitment has new leadership. And I'm going to let you introduce the newest member to our family, my new brother. <laughs> so, Kathy, would you do the honors? I, I am, I'm, I'd be honored and happy to. So we are so thrilled that Danny Linden has joined our our task force family staff um, as conference director for Creating Change. It's, um, it hasn't been quite a year, and when we, when we brought him on and he came to us, we were already, you know, in the, fi- in the frying pan, and now we're, we got in the fire at the end of last year. Uh, but, you know, he has handled it with grace and a sense of humor and a, a wonderful spirit, and, you know, he's just he's an awesome addition to... Uh, to our staff, um, and I've only been on the staff officially for about a year, but of course I've worked with the task force my entire career, so um, it's really, it's great to have Danny on the team. Wow. So, Danny, what did you think? You know, <laughs> did you take a gulp and say, I'm going to jump into this, or what did you think? I mean, what was your history with creating change in the task force, and what did you think about this opportunity? That's exactly uh, thank you, uh, Kathy, for that uh, wonderful introduction. And Michelle, I was—I—I I, I literally jumped in. I saw that there was an opportunity for me to apply for a position at the task force, and I, at that time, quite honestly, uh, within a few months after the pandemic hit, and I have been in meeting planning. For many, many years, uh, I was I was laid off like millions of other Americans here, and I was just sort of sitting at home, getting used to a false retirement. And then I thought, I thought I like this retirement thing, but it's, it can't happen yet. It's it's too soon. So I need to jump back in, and somehow I I I I, I just found the task force or rediscovered the task force again. And if I may just share with you 
uh, just about 29 years ago, and it was the last weekend of the Elder Bush's presidency, I moved here from San Francisco with nothing but a bag of Fritos and $30 in my pocket. And uh, Paul Kawada at the National Minority AIDS Council just snapped me up as their conference director. So I have a long, varied background in uh, managing, building HIV, AIDS, and mental health conferences, but had really not been involved in our own LGBTQ plus community in many, many years. So I was taking a big sort of like leap of faith in attempting to sort of reinvent myself, but in and an area that I was very, very familiar with and one that I was attracted to when I first moved here 29 years ago. So uh, just as a side note, um, a number of years ago, for a very short period of time, I was with the national, what was then the National LGBTQ uh, Center for Community Centers, and we were renting space from the task force. It never <laughs> occurred to me that one day I would actually be back and working with the task force but from home. Uh-huh. So uh, it, it, it has been a circuitous route and one that I'm in awe of, and I'm just thrilled to be here with the task force and bring whatever skills that I have around meeting, planning, and bringing people together. And we talked about sort of like the reunion, the big community. I am all too familiar with the HIV AIDS reunions and the leather weekend reunions that I've worked on as well as other, you know, all under the same community but different segments or subsets of that community so that I am fully back home is thrilling to me. So but one of the things that's good is like you have people like Kathy. I mean, there's many of us, like I said, I consider it my, my family, even though you know, I've gone to many of them. I've participated in it because there's just something about it. But you've got people like Kathy who've been around. I know there's a number of people who've been engaged who are still still there. But even though you started, you know, you've been doing this, like, like you said, like 29 years you were involved in doing it. But you are the new kid on the block. Most definitely. What did... What did you know, a veteran, like Kathy tell you to put you at ease? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know I, it's not so much what has been said, but not only by Kathy, but other folks who've been around for a long time. It's just stepping into a place where you feel this support and this willingness of others who know to share, impart information, and to sort of like take you on and just make you feel comfortable. As a matter of fact, I've been told many things in the seven months that I have been here. I'm not sure how much of all of those different things I retain, but what I do feel is a constant support and people just jumping in and sharing information to help me get to where I need to be. And quite honestly, I was terrified the first five months. Well, really up until perhaps <laughs> December, just absolutely terrified. So, you know, you're absolutely right. I've been a veteran and around for a long time, uh, but 
for me, this is also learning about an entirely new a group, when I say group, I mean conference, a, a, a group of folks. And I, I kiddingly say that I have been working in the uh, nonprofit sector, but in mental health and in other areas for so very long that when I left the LGBT community, there was no queue yet. Mm. So there was literally, there was no queue. So uh, that's how, but you know what? I feel like uh, I'm comfortable. I'm more comfortable now. I'm still learning. Kathy is very, very, very patient. Her, the sense of humor of, of folk. You know what? We laugh a lot, too. We do. We really do laugh a lot. And I, I just think that when you feel, I feel comfortable by the warmth that has been extended to me, the graciousness, and how folks just jump in, because really, I am the new kid on the block. Well, and it's, it's fair to say that, yes, there are, there are some folks who've been around a long time like me, but we also have an amazing staff. It's super diverse, uh -huh. and it's, you know, it spans all ages, from like 20s to Barbara Satin retired recently at 87, right? Uh -huh. um, and I think that's what really makes the magic uh -huh. at the task force, so exactly what Danny's saying, is we, we support each other especially the last few years, which have been so difficult. You know, we're used to putting together an event that is, is like you said, it's like a family reunion, a queer family reunion, probably one of the most, if not the most, diverse queer space uh, any of us can find ourselves in. Um, and having to do that virtually and recreate that was, was tough the first time. And the second time, we had to do it, you know, kind of on the turn of a dime because we were planning on being in person in New Orleans in January. And you know, a, a, a COVID variant made that impossible and unsafe. So we're going to be doing it virtually um, in March, which is, you know, also a little later in the year for us. So, um, you know, I think the, the, the key here is that we've just got, um, we've got kind of a dream team and it, it really shows. It shows in our resilience and it shows in our just pushing through to, to make this happen for folks because especially now, I think more than ever, like people really need this. People really need to come together we need to be talking mm -hmm. about what's going on in the world. We're just under attack from every direction, literally, in many cases, um, here in this country and even around the world. And so, you know, the chance to be inspired, to, to talk about the issues, to learn more, to get skills, and frankly, to just reconnect with folks is, uh, is great. And next year, I'll let Danny talk about what we're doing in 2023, but, you know, we're really hanging on to the fact that we'll be together in person um, in 2023. You, know, you hit on something that I was thinking as I was listening to you. And one of the things, and I think that particularly with creating change, but also in our community, you know, often like you hear people talk about, oh, well, um, you know, millennials don't want to work with Gen X, and this one doesn't want to work with that one, and we don't want to see the baby boomers. And for creating change, like you said, it's a really diverse group, all ages, ethnicities, you know, expression, all of them come to, everybody comes together, and particularly when we've had this crisis, where we've had to, like, really pivot, you know, and, and to think fast on our, our feet. And you've been, you've seen, uh, Kathy, you've seen the changes and all these different people come and go and the different personalities in the street. How 
has that diversity been the strength, the, that lifeline, the blood that, that not only held it together, but, you know, made it continue to go on? Because many people were going like, ah, we can't do it this year, we can't do it that year, and been like this discouraged. I hear the same enthusiasm even last year, you know, right. at, when it was going to be virtual and we didn't know what was going to I heard that same enthusiasm, that same resiliency. How does that, this vast diversity in the staffing and the volunteers you pull in, how does that make, how does it strengthen the organization? Well, I mean, I, I can quote our executive director here. She always says, it's all the things. I mean, it is. It's everything. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's the, the core of what keeps us going. It's like the beating heart of the task force is that, that we value people. I mean, you know, our, our catchphrase, our motto, our, our underlying, you know, main value is, the, is be you, right? And we don't just mean, like, be the queer part of you. Like, we mean be all of you, no matter what uh-huh. that is. And, and that's something that I think, you know, you just don't see enough of. Um, and we really try and, and foster and, and put in, in every single bit of work that we do. You know, I, I mean, we say this all the time. It's about looking at, as you talk about all the time, about the intersections of our identities. And I remember um, in 20, uh, 2020 was the last creating change in person, and I was with Delon Burnside, uh, Ricky from Pose, and he, he came to, he was working on a documentary and came to Creating Change and talked to a bunch of great people. And at one point we were walking through the exhibit hall with Kira and he just, he turned around and he said, this is the most diverse queer space I've ever seen. And I'm on Pose. You know, I'm like, <laughs> he was, you know, it was really striking to him that the age range, like you said, all of those things. And, you know, I think it's because we recognize that we all bring many different things to the table. You know, I'm not like a lesbian one day, a woman the next day, a parent on Wednesday. You know, like that's just not, I, I bring all of those things. And, and when I get to work with and interact and form relationship with and, and be in community with folks like Danny and Kira and Maida and, and all of the staff and, of course, all of the thousands of people at Crane Change, that's made me a better person. Like that's, uh-huh. that's the, the key, I think, to so much of the, the challenge that we see like in our culture and in the world, is that if folks could just get over the fear and be more curious about people who are not like them, right? I mean, I was raised uh-huh. to be curious about things that were different for me in a good way, right? But that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen near enough. And I think that's, that to me is the essence of, of what the task force is and does and then, of course, you know, manifests at, in this conference, which happens every year. And so, you know, and you can see it. You can see it in the diversity of the programming. You can see it in the diversity of the folks that we recognize and celebrate every year. You know, you can see it in the, you know, what is to me one of the most poignant moments of creating change is when we we do the in memoriam and we look at who we've lost. I mean, I, I dreaded watching the video last year, but at the end, I it was it was just so moving to see, you know, all of those names go across the screen, and and we'll do it again this year um, because. Huh? It's been another year of loss, and we recognize that, and we own it, and we and we feel it, and that's okay because we do it together. Wow. So, how long, Danny, are you going to be proudly wearing the mantle of the new kid on the block? Are you gonna Are you gonna wear it till it wears out? <laughs> 
Oh, at least for the next few years. You'll be baptized March 19th and 20th, and then it's all over. <laughs> That's true. True. I will be. You know, uh, I was so looking forward to uh, meeting everyone and just being in person in New Orleans and this. Kathy mentioned earlier that just was not possible due to the pandemic. So uh, we had to pivot, and what, what by pivoting to uh, back to virtual means that the conference then becomes even accessible to more people, and more people will be able to participate without having to leave home or rent a hotel room. Hopefully, so then that that that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, and one part, I will tell you that, you know, the planning of it, I envy you guys, you're not, you're like a, I mean, you're like, I'm like the distant cousin, but you guys are right there, you can, you know, you're, you're talking to each other, even if it's planning, even if it's over Zoom, that, you know, you're there for each other. And that's one of the things that I, I've always admired about Task Force there. It's like, you're there for each other. You really are a family that comes together to serve the bigger family. And, you know, have you been able to maintain that? And, it, I mean, it's, it's been, like, seamless watching the changes, people coming and going, but even people, when they leave, they come back and support each other. Has that been, on a personal level for each of you, really helpful during these trying times? Yeah, I mean, I think we try and do, you know, we try and do the best we can virtually. Um, you know, we have had on occasion had the opportunity to see some of our coworkers, but I had a staff person who was on staff for almost six months before I met them. I met them, you know, in front of the Supreme Court at a protest outside um, in December. You know, so, and like, Danny and I have not seen each other in person, have we? I don't think so. So no, I can't wait to go to D.C. I'm going to go down to D.C. for, you know, the weekend for creating change and mask up and, you know, we'll, we'll make it all happen. But I think we try and create, like, even if it's a, you know, a social hour, something that's not, you know, a Zoom meeting about, you know, a piece of legislation or planning an event or anything like that. Um, we try and create that space for each other. And, um, you know... It, but it's been challenging. I mean, we're hoping that uh -huh. we can have our, our first staff retreat uh, in person in years, three years, um, towards the end of April. So hopefully that will happen. We also have a rain uh -huh. date in August, just in case. <laughs> you know. no, we, we take it one day at a time, you know, one day at a time. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, 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 Michelle, from my own point of view, I am most fortunate to, well, I call myself fortunate because I live just a block or two from my boss, Andy mm -hmm. Garcia, and the other uh -huh. two folks who are on uh, our team right now, Daniel Moberg and Court Bitro, are also in the neighborhood. So we're right here in downtown D.C. Now, we actually did get together briefly for a project on Friday, and that was so exciting to see everyone because we, we don't do that often. It was my first time meeting Court. But uh, Andy and I will bump into each other occasionally at PBS or, or whatever. But it has been difficult, especially to start a position and you're like, 
You don't have an office to go to. You're not <laughs> really interacting. There's no water cooler conversation, as we say, uh-huh. happening. And so you have to make, we made that extra effort, I think, just to sort of like meet wherever we could at whatever, at whatever time in, in the neighborhood uh, at workspace like we work or or just to just to be able to chat on the on the phone or, or whatever. I won't lie, it has been one of the most interesting, if not the most interesting work periods and transitions of my life. But uh it's also been in many ways introspective and strengthening and um uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. Well, we're going to take a, a short break, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what is creating change before we go into what creating change is going to be. So we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I am talking to my sister, Kathy Renner, and my new brother, Danny Linden. You know, there's so many memories that you have and you, about creating change. But, you know, Kathy, you talked about the, the strength of diversity and everything. One of the things that I really recognize about not only the staff but the event is how it impacts people. I remember being in Chicago for Creating Change, and I want to say it was like one day over the weekend sitting in a restaurant, and, of course, they had all of the bathrooms were gender neutral. They put signs up. Mm-hmm. And there was a straight couple, I mean, who clearly, you know, like were, had that wide-eyed look like, I see gay people, <laughs> you know, like, what's going on? <laughs> and And the husband sort of, said something to the wife, well, I don't know how I feel about, you know, this one bathroom thing. And she, like, really, like, read him, you know, like, if look at all these people and how well they're getting along and they're talking. And she, mm-hmm. she said, uh, going into the bathroom, she, you know, it was like, get over it. Why aren't, why aren't we, we like them? And then she leaned over to us and she was like, so are you here for the conference? Tell me about creating change. And we often talk about changing hearts and minds, but sometimes we just move them. And that gathering of seeing gay people everywhere, it moved her to from a, from a point where she was, and, and I imagine eventually it moved her husband because, I mean, she just read him up one side and the other because she was <laughs> observing 
what she was seeing, and it was night, and it was all these different people. Well, we that started is a- doing that very early, the gender neutral uh-huh. bathrooms. It was, uh, you know, you have to understand that this, our staff go to the hotel several times the year prior, and, you know, for years there were sensitivity trainings and discussions about, you know, how to talk to folks and ask them pronouns and, and have, you know, and have signs for gender neutral bathrooms and, you know, before, now it's extremely common. I mean, I live in Montclair, New Jersey. They just passed an ordinance that you can't have a, you know, a restaurant or a public establishment without having a gender-neutral bathroom. But, you know, that's, that was in 2021. So the task force has always been on the sort of cutting edge, and it, you're right, it does totally prompt conversations of people just coming through. I mean, early, early on when they first started doing the conference, it was only in Washington, and then I think true to task force values, they started traveling, but not to necessarily always the big cities. Yes, we've been to Chicago and Dallas, and but we've also been to Milwaukee and San Diego and, and places where working with local activists, you, you over the course of planning this you know, conference with thousands of people, you build a ton of community and skills over the, before the conference even starts. And so uh-huh. there was real intent behind that. I, I, Milwaukee in particular, I remember, and Detroit. We came to Detroit, and that was you know, so awesome for all the local folks to be engaged and involved and work with the task force over the course of, you know, a year at least to plan the conference. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, and, and it really has. You've been to Detroit a couple of times. I've been. <laughs> I mean, but, it, but it does, like you said, not only talking to the people who are the staff, people who aren't members of our community, but even members of our community, because I know that the first year that you guys came, it, it was like we recognized that we had been all working in silos, you know. Mm-hmm. And here, I mean, in fact, it was one of the years um, we were working at, at putting in our application the same year that there was supposed to be a Super Bowl. And it was like a competition, like, okay, we want to show off the best of us. And it, it brings communities together. And I know looking at other cities, the steering committees, how they come together and they, there's the bigger picture, but then bringing it local and talking to, to things like that. Now, you know, Danny, you said that you have worked with other organizations but not been part of the community. But had you been influenced by seeing that coming together different organizations coming together and working on or being coming and visiting creating change? Uh, and just so we're clear here, and I just want to admit, this is, as the newbie, of course, this is my first creating change, so I'm really... <laughs> uh, uh, however, no, no. Uh-huh. What, <laughs> what Kathy we were saying about, you know, the sensitivity training and it was mentioned also about steering committees and host committee. It brought back all these uh, memories that I have of when it was early on, before even before I left San Francisco, I was working with the Names Project AIDS Memorial Quilt. And bringing that quilt to college campuses and small communities and community colleges and churches we had to have a lot of those difficult conversations, but it was always specific to gays and HIV and AIDS. Uh, and similarly, when I worked at National Minority AIDS Council, the National Association of People with AIDS, for about 
uh, 10 years, again, it was, it, it's reminiscent of that, but fast forward to 30 years later, uh-huh. uh, the community is much more diverse, uh, pardon the pun, it's much more out, uh, we're respectful of the differences, and so, you know, it is, as much as it is a reunion for many of those who are attending or attend this conference regularly. Um, it's also a learning opportunity for me, and I feel like it's a part of uh, my evolution and progression that, and I'm sort of just, I don't know if I'm making sense here. You can edit this out if you want to, Michelle, <laughs> but <laughs> on a very kind of almost woo-woo, spiritual level, I see myself as like, oh my, is this why I am here today? Uh. Is this, did every road that I have taken, every step from the time that I left the for-profit world in San Francisco and then threw myself into HIV and AIDS and mental health, was it all leading me back here, home? And so I, I take that, and with that, I feel a great deal of pride, responsibility, an honor and just very humbled by it all. Now, I have a question for you. Now, you were very, a lot of the work that you did centered on AIDS. It's different. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you also bring a, a historical reference to it. How do you, and I've heard people from our community who go like, Oh, these young people don't understand what it was like back well, yeah, back when the AIDS. No, they don't understand what it was like, but it's important that they do understand mm-hmm. the historical part. Do you find yourself as you're you're talking about programming and you're looking at it, trying to reconcile the history with where it is now and finding the the pathway that you need to, to lead people or to bring people up when they go like, you know, I didn't know that happened with back in the day, you know, they yeah. who may, some who may may have never even seen the AIDS quilt. Exactly. Right. I am uh, a very, very much uh, respectful, love history, the history and the passing of information in our community, passing that on. So um, one of my dearest friends and the person who actually has medical power of attorney for me, <laughs> and, and it's my executor also that I met at NMAC, National Minority AIDS Council, some uh, 27 years ago, is currently the director of the White House Office of HIV and AIDS, also known as the AIDS czar. And I called him after he got his new job in July, and I got my new job in July, and I said, there must be a way to involve you in, if not creating change or in something, and continuing this history that we often discuss that you yourself admit that when you go to meetings in different communities that there are folks who com- are com- somewhat clueless as to what got us here today. I'm not about dwelling in the past, but using the past as a stepping stone to understanding how we got here and how we proceed in the future. So I'm, I'm very much an advocate for using all of that 
institutional wealth and history that we have access to. And actually, I'm hoping to see much of that on display at our 50th anniversary conference of the task force next, next year in San Francisco in 2023, which is our 50th anniversary. So I think that uh, we're going to be honoring our history. That will be an opportunity for us to bring a lot of uh, different uh, themes and folks together around issues where we can find commonality and share this oral history of our community. Now, yeah. Kathy, same for you. I have, you know, because, you know, there was a day where it was like, you know, there were lesbians, and then there were, you know, gay men, and then under lesbians, you were either femme or butch. And, girl, I heard a couple times queer roll off your tongue like it was nothing. And, I mean, I have been to things where I have used queer and someone said, no one says lesbian anymore. I mean, how? And you seem to you seem to survive. You know, lesbian all the time. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, but exactly. But you know, as you see that history, I mean, your journey has been different than some of these some of these young baby dykes, girls. I mean, they just don't know. <laughs> when do you find? How do you determine, rather, the moment when you're going to to speak or listen and learn? Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I would say that the vast majority of the time, I think, listening is usually the best way forward. You know, I mean, I, I just, and I think that's true when interacting with, you know, so many folks in our community who just haven't had a voice. I mean, I, I'm super intentional about kind of knowing and, understanding that I, I'm pretty lucky. I carry a, a lot of privilege. You know, I carry a lot of privilege as a, I mean, I'm pretty gender nonconforming for those who know me, but like, I'm a cisgender, you know, white lesbian. And that, that confers with it you know, an enormous amount of privilege. And I've also had the, you know, I've been very blessed that I grew up with an incredibly accepting family. I know that that's not the case. I mean, so many people like, you know, come and ask you, like, what drives your activism? You must have, you know, been motivated by, you know, you were thrown out of your home or your, your family didn't accept you or you were, you know, victimized or discriminated against in some way. And I'm like, no, I do this because I was lucky. I do this because I know what could have happened but didn't. And so I think that's, you know, and that's why it's so important to, for me to listen and to hear about the experiences and the stories and the issues and the, the ways that, you know, the unbelievably diverse community that we're part of, as I always say to journalists, you know, the, the LGBTQ community is like a microcosm of the culture because what brings us together has nothing to do with our age or race or ethnicity or class or ability, you know, so many things, other things about us. And I think that's why it's important for those of us who, you know, who do in this culture come from a place with more, uh, you know, privilege and, and power and autonomy to, to shut up and listen because we've had so many parts of our community that have been voiceless um, and continue to be, uh, you know, to have less of a voice. And that's, I mean, that's why for me, like I'm, I actually printed out, I'm looking at the program for the weekend for creating change. I mean, the approach is all about creating a space for the, the true, what I would call the true, genuine, uh, intentional diversity or demonstration of diversity of our community. And that's, that's really important. 
I mean, you know, I, I know I, did, I put something on my Facebook page this morning about Queer the Vote, and, you know, one of my friends who's, you know, an older white gay man started to try and have a discussion with me, which turned into <laughs> more of an argument than a discussion, about using the word queer. Well, why can't you just say gay? You because know, gay means everybody. I'm like, maybe to you it does because you're gay, but like gay doesn't mean everybody to me. And, you know, queer doesn't mean everybody to you, but it kind of does to me. So like, can't we, you know, so having those kinds of conversations is difficult, but I, I, you know, you take a breath and you listen to the other person and then you just, you know, you meet them where they are and try and offer them, like you said, you know, an opportunity to move forward. You know, I always say that my goal in doing the work that I do, no matter what it is, whether it's with media, or whether it's out in the field, or whether it's with fellow, you know, activists or colleagues, or, you know, frankly, you know, people in my personal sphere, is when I talk about things to try and get them to say, I never thought about it that way. Hmm. Because when I used to, when I was a GLAD, and, and still now, like, a lot of us do a lot of this, right? We talk to the media, we, there are hundreds, thousands, sometimes millions of people, you know, listening, watching. And I'll get emails after, and the most rewarding email I can get is an email from someone who said, you know, I hadn't really thought about, for example, you know, how these bills affect trans kids in school. You know, I had never, you know, thought about the issues in, in the way that you talked about them. You know, they, they were very abstract to me. I mean, I, when I talk about things, I think people see me and, and I have a whole bunch of assumptions, right, because that's the way we are in this culture. And then I talk about being a parent, and they're like, what? And, uh -huh. and, then, and then, they, then they have something that they can relate to, and they can relate to me. And so then you have, you know, you build a bridge, you have commonality. You know, we're, we're all different, and that's a good thing. But we do have things in common, and that's what, you know, I try and use to, and we all try and use to kind of bring us together. I mean, when we all come together for creating change, yes, it's an incredibly diverse group, and we absolutely create a space that's safe for everyone, but that doesn't mean we agree on everything. You know, we, we always joke, and you've been at Creating Change enough times to know, um, Michelle, that there's always a protest. Uh -huh. I, remember, I remember the early, I, I talked to Sue Hyde, who used to be the conference director, and I said, you know, this is it's really tough. You know, you're trying to do a plenary, and you've got people rushing the stage. And, and <laughs> Sue, I said Sue, I said something to me that I will never forget. She said, sometimes when you teach people to organize and, and be activists, they do it right in front of you. And that's, <laughs> that's exactly what creating change is all about, you know. And that's, that's the way we have to, I think, approach our, our, our activism, you know, in our day-to-day in our -day work and also in doing this. Now, you know, I was listening to you talk, and, and I was thinking about the whole thing. And when I think about privilege, and in fact, I was talking to a mutual friend about Susan Horowitz, and I said, you know, I had the privilege of going to the Michigan Women's Music Festival. Um, we had a Detroit Women's Coffee House. I went to Creating Change, of going into those, the rooms for black lesbians or older lesbians and, you know, and to be there with people, you know, to have, because I went there, I mean, I met Andrea Jenkins at a Creating Change and she can tell you what we ordered to drink, you know, <laughs> I, mean, to I mean, so, I mean, and to me, what a privilege, you know, when I stop and I think about those things and what a privilege it was to be, coming out 
learning about myself and, and, and touching on these things that help me live more authentically, to see the, the, the people rushing the stage, but then later on hear conversations about it and give myself something to think about, think about something other. And what a privilege to me that is, too. How, that, how, are, we, how are you keeping the dream? You know, I know that we're going to go into a different, a different part of creating changes. It's changing to deal with where it is today. But that keeping the dream to go into these places. I mean, I think of people like I was looking at Rosalie's Facebook page and watching her daughter. I remember every year seeing Roz and Bev and little Stella and watching her grow up. And it was like, wow. So how are you keeping the dream? Is there going to be a creating change museum or how, how can we keep that so that once when a young person comes up, they can go and look and say, like, wow, that was, this is part of our path. And, and, you know, for both of you, you know, Danny, like you've seen the, the struggles that we went through, through with AIDS. I can remember talking to, hmm, I can't think of a name. And she was there and she was talking about, I forget which organization that she had worked for, and she said how she had evangeline, how she had kept a black jacket on the back of her, her office door because she knew every day she might be going to a funeral. I mean, all of these things, but they were hard times, but they made us who we are. We made us be the community that we are now. How are you keeping that dream that led to us creating change well we're not having a museum just there is a museum that is being planned in New York City that's an LGBTQ museum and it's actually Urbishi Vad our past executive director oh, yeah. there's a ton yeah. of great people involved it's fabulous um, I'm sure creating change will We'll squeeze it in there somehow. I mean, I think I think Danny can speak to this, but you know, we're certainly what we know is that you know on March 21st we start planning the next creating change. If we haven't actually a little bit already, he can speak to that. Um, but I think next year, because it's our 50th anniversary, it will be an opportunity to showcase that history. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation today with a gentleman who called, literally cold called, and left a message on voicemail, and I I, I get most of them. Lucky me. Um, he was a, a he was at the 1977 meeting of what was then the National Gay Task Force oh. with, uh, at the White House with Jimmy Carter's staff. It was the first ever <laughs> with LGBTQ, or at that point, just probably the G and the L, um, activists. And the anniversary, the 45th anniversary of that meeting is coming up the end of March. And he's got photos and clippings and he wants to do something. And, and it just, it, it made my day. You know, and, and then when I was talking to him, I said, by the way, he lives in Sacramento. I said, creating change is going to be in San Francisco next year, and we're celebrating our 50th anniversary. And he, like, he was so excited. He almost started crying on the phone. It was, it was just, uh-huh. that, that's, what, you know, that's going to be our opportunity, I think, next year to really, and, you know, it's an anniversary, so we're going we're gonna to milk it, man. We're going we're gonna to do stuff all year for our 50th uh-huh. anniversary. It's a big deal. I worked on the... 50th anniversary of Stonewall here in New York City, which was obviously huge and tremendous. But, you know, these are historic 
milestones. You know, and we're not the only organization turning 50 next year. PFLAG and Lambda Legal are also turning 50. You know, 1973 was a big year, post-Stonewall. There's water. <laughs> national, right, national organizations. People really started to, you know, get their stuff together. It was amazing. So I think that's going to be our, our way to, to, honor that, um, to honor that history. Yeah, and in my role as, uh, you know, an organizer or meeting planner, if, we can, if I can just provi- be able to provide the space for folks to get together to share that history, uh, whether it's in oral presentations or whether we do a 50-year yearbook, can't hint, uh. or whatever, whatever. <laughs> I want to be able to be in that position where I help to facilitate that that presentation and continuation of history because that's my job as the as an organizer to be able to give you the space, the venue, the opportunity, the facility to do that. Mm-hmm. So, COVID hit, <laughs> okay, and you had to change, and. I mean, you know, and we've, we've gone through a couple of years of this change. Um, and it was funny. I was, uh, two of my friends did one of the best love stories, and it came out of creating change, you know. And they, I don't know, they've been together, I'd say, easily 30 years now. And they, I said, well, you know what? You guys are a dying breed. <laughs> you know, that meeting up and, and looking at each other across the crowded room, the, across the crowded plenary, and then, you know, writing and going on, you know, that's not going to happen. How are you, what, how did you think about the magic, okay, of that? And how did you think about that as you went from COVID and then being ready to do it and then having Omicron come and snatch the rug out of you? How How did you, I mean, I mean, to say that you guys can, can turn on a dime is an understatement. I mean, but still there had to have been a level of, of disappointment because, I mean, you know what? I was looking forward to, you know, I mean, ritual is nice, but, you know, yep. we were going to be together. You know, mm-hmm. all of us were going to be together again. Yeah, we were pretty heartbroken. I mean, I, I give it to Danny and Andy Garcia and, you know, the, the leadership at the task force I mean, obviously, if you look at the schedule now, it's just two days. It's not four or five days. And it's, it's pared down. It's not workshops. But, you know, I, Danny said something really, really important before that, and Danny does this. He'll say something really important. <laughs> sneaking in. Um, that one of the that advantages to this, the, yeah, I don't want to call it server lining because that just doesn't feel right, right? But one of the really interesting things that's happened is with these virtual events, they're much more accessible to folks who may not have otherwise had access prior um, to creating change. And so one of the things that we're doing is it's two days. It's Saturday, March 19th, and Sunday, March 20th. But what we're, what we're launching, we've already done one event, is creating change 365. Like we live in a different world now, and we're just not going to go back to only in person. In, we certainly don't want to go back to only virtual, but, but virtual gatherings and virtual programs and virtual events have become a way to reach folks that we couldn't reach before because, as Danny said prior, like flight, hotel, conference registration, like all of those things, you know, they're not accessible or even if there are like physical accessibility issues, you know, there are ways 
we, we work uh, on this conference from the notion of, as Andy Garcia always says, radical accessibility. And, and this is kind of the manifestation of it. And yes, it's hard. We connect, you can connect on the Zoom chat. You can talk to people. You see each other. But you're right. I mean, it's not, it's not the same as being in person. But I think that we do our best to create it. I mean, for goodness sakes, we have a house ball. I mean, a virtual house ball, right? You think that would be really hard to pull off. It was awesome last year, and so we're doing that again. You know, um, we do a game night, which is uh, our our staff person Carrie uh, carries it, and she does a great job. And people have a wonderful time, and they, you know, they they do games online, you know, in, or over the course of the evening for three hours. Um, and I think that that's, you know, it's just a matter of being creative and trying to just do the best we can, you know. Um, exactly. And wetting their, hopefully, appetite for, for 2023 because that will truly be uh, the reunion, the reignite and uh, reunite reunion that we had envisioned for the in-person for uh, 2022. So we bring, hopefully, everyone will bring all of that energy and the need to each other and the hugs and the tears and all of that mm-hmm. to 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a question, you know, and I, I, I'm not really big to like the statistics, but I have talked to other organizations who have said pretty much the same thing that, you know, um, or I talked to, um, what's Shadra? Shadra does a Sankofa project and she was saying how it had gone from being like this small group that, that met to where they had international people. Can you tell, and I do recognize that too, because it, that was always the thing, like going to creating change, you know, either you plan for it and you had to budget or if it was too far, you couldn't go, or you'd hear the stories and feel sad because you couldn't go. People would volunteer to do it. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to gauge how starting to go virtual, not I mean, well, I mean, and continuing to go, how that has expanded the reach. You know, when I first when I started here in in, in July, uh, Andy and other members of the team and other folks that said impressed upon me how many folks were involved who were outside of the United States, just because it attracted this this group of numbers. I can't give you the exact number of statistics, uh-huh. but it was impressive. And so just noting that those folks who were not a part of the intended, or I won't say intended, but original demographic audience, a profile, or whoever we thought we would get to register, were suddenly showing up, that was quite revealing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kathy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I think if you look at the demographics overall, creating change has, has a really interesting track record that's, you know, a little different than other folks. I mean, we usually have about a third of the participants are under 21, and of course we always have like 30 to 40% identify um, as people of color. We have a large trans, non-binary percentage of folks. Like I said, it's a super diverse group, and I think part of that is you know, we need to start asking some demographic questions about, you know, where people are from, um, you know, what, that they can come from other countries. I mean, I've done um, work with Interpride and, and Global Pride and things like that, and, 
you know, it is really amazing uh, to have that that ability to come together virtually that we didn't really take advantage of that much before COVID. I mean, I think we've learned a lesson here that, you know, we we really have a we have an opportunity to do things very differently. The world got a whole lot smaller. Um, and I don't just mean, you know, for those of us who couldn't leave our apartments um, <laughs> during COVID, <laughs> you know, the world just got smaller, literally. Um, and I think that, you know, hey, we got married on Zoom last year, my wife and I, you know, we had, uh-huh. I remember seeing in the that. Room and we had family in New York and Italy and Michigan and, you know, and like people who were like a mile away, but we couldn't be in the same room with them, you know, and that was our wedding, you know, we, this is what we do, we like, we persevere, <laughs> you know, and we, we make the best of it and we figure it out. Um, but to go back to what you were asking, Michelle, about the, like the connection piece, I mean, I think, you know, it's one of the reasons why we're focusing for this this weekend of creating change on the institutes because they're they're you know they're three and a half hours long or yeah they're three and a half hours long and they're they're issue focused and they're very you know they're intense and, and folks will have a ton of opportunity to be interactive so I think that that's going to make it um, that's going to make it have as, as much as we possibly can create the the feel of the feel of community and connection uh-huh. and, and interaction and, and conversation uh-huh. um, that that gets done you know that we'll just be doing it over Zoom you know you could be in the Faith Institute if that's what you're interested in or the Aging you know Thriving Across Generations Institute if you want to or um, you know there's an international one there's actually for the first time this year we're going to have an institute on uh, querying climate change which is wow. I'm super excited about yeah it's the first time we're doing mm-hmm. that. Um, and of course, our policy institute will be doing a bunch of, of work around all of the different uh, policy legislation and things that are happening. I mean, we're going to launch Queer the Vote um, because this is going to be obviously a huge year with the midterm elections. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're, I think Danny and, and his team is, is doing everything they can and, you know, squeezing every drop out of the rest <laughs> of us on the staff and the volunteers <laughs> and the, the board and anybody that they can get to help um, to really to make this a great experience and then keep doing it the rest of the year. I mean, that's the, you know, you sign up for creating change, you'll get to be able to access these other events that we're doing, um, which we'll be doing for the rest of the year. Yep. Okay. Well, we're going to, I want to take a break because I've been trying to hold off because I want to hear about, I want you guys to talk about this year and then the 50th anniversary. Okay. (laughs) So we'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. And 
I'm back here with Kathy and Danny. You know, one of the things that I think, too, I mean, I've heard there are ways, some people say, like, oh, COVID has made me go back in the closet. I don't get out and do anything. But here, I mean, here's a way not only to see that, I mean, querying the environment. I love that. To really talk about more things that it is, you know, you're going to connect with people. I mean, and even before, I mean, that even though that we could connect in one site, here I've seen things where people will connect with someone um, through a Zoom or watching a plenary, and then they stay in touch with someone. Oh, but, oh this person, I'm going to send contact that. So there's ways that it can also expand our world. So walk me through how what you had planned to do this year, what got pulled out of you, and how did you switch to this weekend and Creating Change 365? So initially, as you said, when the rug was pulled out from under us, uh, we really had to stop, and that gave us an opportunity to pause and to think about what, how we might best pivot what was available to us, what would be the, for lack of a term, the, the easiest lift to do and where we felt that we had uh, the greater interest. It would be very difficult to, not impossible, but it would have been difficult, and it was taxing to pull off a series of workshops as well as institutes and all of the other elements that go into an in-person event. Uh, I think we looked at our sort of like our key strengths, what our messaging, what we wanted it to be, uh, and uh, it was definitely in the day-long institutes uh, as well as, you know, we're also doing the, the awards that we're presenting and uh, an interfaith service uh, and all of those things that we felt we could actually lift and do well or exceed our own expectations, hopefully, for that. And that we would use the, the 365, the Creating Change 365, which is exactly what that is, a, a more of a, a, a continuing rotating uh, series of Creating Change events to really push out the workshop contents and the caucus sessions and all of those other elements that go into all that world of creating change. And not to be rushed by that over a four-day period, be more deliberate to be able to plan accordingly and to deliver this in, in, a, in a way that we felt elevated all of that energy that we had you know, and others had put into creating that content and delivering that on a rotating cycle throughout the year. Mm-hmm. What did, okay, I, I can imagine, here you were, yeah, new kid on the block. I love that. You're, you know, forever you're going to be my yeah. new kid on the block. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here you were, and you've been putting all this together. Did you go, oh, or, you know, did you have a combination of a sigh of relief and disappointment and the people who you have been working with and, you know, your host committee, how did you deliver the news to them? I, I'm sure, like, they, they totally understood, but 
how did you deliver the news to them? It was, uh, it was indeed, uh, it was all of those things. It was a sigh of, and it was also a state of general disbelief, all that mingled into this happening three days before the Christmas holiday. Uh-huh. Right. So we knew that folks, a lot of folks were already out of pocket. They were, you know, just in another place or another zone. But as much as we could, picked up the telephone, as I did, and had conversations yeah. with members of folks, people who were helping us in New Orleans uh, with the hotel. Those were very difficult conversations to have, uh, emotional, but folks were, you know, for the most part, extremely supportive. They're yeah. just very, very supportive of that. So, yeah, no, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy by any means. And uh, I know just how much, not only how much work that the commun- at the community level had folks put into this, but also think about the staffing, I mean, the year-round of all of that, that uh, commitment uh, that I was literally came in in the middle of all of this and folks were already at full throttle, full speed. And yeah. it, didn't, it, didn't, it never stopped. So... Uh, to just sort of go from that whirlwind to a dead stop, yeah, we had to take a pause. We had to take a pause, and it actually took a couple of weeks for us to come back and regroup around what would be the best way to repackage and move forward. So how did you determine March? I'm sorry, repeat. How did we determine so how did you, I mean, I know that you were like, okay, well, we have to do this. And I appreciate that you just, you just didn't say, okay, well, we can't do it in person. We're just going to put some things up here online and you can do it. That you took the time to, to think about it, to make it happen. Oh, yeah. Later. Yeah. How, how did you, did you say, okay, well, we have to do it like in X many months or we want to do it before summer or how did you determine that you were going to do it in March? We did a series of, well, there were a lot of internal meetings uh, just with uh, key staff. I mean, Kathy's on our leadership team. Um, my boss and I, we sat. We also talked to many of the folks that we had been working with who, mm-hmm. who were coordinating and building and facilitating the institutes and, uh, and, and the workshops. So it was definitely an a, a coordinated effort, and I actually reached out to other organizations uh, who had made that same pivot. How, what was the space like? How much time did you give? How much time did you need? What was really revealing to me was that there was no pat answer. Every organization was acting, you know, differently. Every, you know, they had their own constituency constituting whether it was pricing or the timeline or just the ability to make that switch to the production in and what presenting an online conference would look like. Luckily, we had done this, I say luckily, uh, fortunate enough to have that history of just doing this a year prior to that. So we had a platform in place. We also knew from the evaluations that came in after, both with staff and those people on our production team, what worked best. So we could go back to that and look at that and then craft 
a program around based on our knowledge of what worked the year before. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I mean, so there was definitely some, some history there, but there was also a great deal of uh, processing and phone calls and just coming together and plotting and, and looking at what, what the possible, and also being cognizant of other things that were currently on the calendar or that were being planned, and we had to look at a time where it was available to us to have the full capacity of the staff. Yeah, that's a, that's a really important part of it. I mean, I think the key, Michelle, is that, you know, there was that deep breath, decision-making, and then some real thought and process and communication with folks to really figure out what do we do, when do we do it, and how do we do it at the, the level that we want to. I mean, we have pretty high standards for this conference. <laughs> and so uh -huh. you know, it was almost like there was this like gigantic, incredibly complex knot, and Danny and the team and all of us at the task force figured out a way to, to you know, to untangle it um, to the best of our ability. And I think the the decision to do it just over two days and then, then continue the programming throughout the year was really, really smart. Because obviously if you look at, you know, the number of people involved in putting together, not just on the staff side of putting on the conference, but all of the presenters, all of the folks who do the institutes, all of the folks who organize these events, um, award recipients. And we want to do as much as, uh, as possible live. I mean, we're going to do the, you know, one of the highlights for me at Crane Change every year is always the state of the movement. And I'm super excited that, you know, this year we're going to be able to do it live, streamed, and we're going to have Kiara Johnson and Maida Hidalgo-Salazar, our deputy director, they're going to do it together and they're going to be able to be sitting in the same room, which is great, um, as opposed to last year where Ray and Kira were like in different cities, you know, in Zoom squares next to each other. Um, and... And, and again, you know, like really just try and bring, give people the sense that, you know, we're, they're sitting, we're in the living room with them, you know. I mean, that's, that's how I felt during the conference last year, and I, I think we're going to be able to do that again. Um, I think that's going to happen with the keynotes. I think that's going to happen with the, the state of the movement, and I, and I think for sure the institutes. I mean, you are going to really feel like you're in a, it's a virtual conference room, but you're going to feel like you're in one of those you know, hotel conference rooms with, with 25, 30, 40, 50, however many people, um, really with the ability to sort of dig in on important issues and have the, and take the time to do it, so. Okay, now, technical things. Registration, how, what's the best way for people to register? And how late can they register? Can they register right before? They can definitely register right before, but we encourage folks to register <laughs> as early as possible. Do not procrastinate. Register <laughs> now. Uh -huh. Or you can register at the taskforce.org backslash creating change. So uh, just go to our website or you know, www.thetaskforce.org. <laughs> I don't know if you. W's, 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 W
Thank you, Kathy. There are only three, as the world knows. I don't know why I'm adding a fourth or a fifth. But uh, that's basically, why she's the director of communications. Okay, I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> okay, now, one of the other things that was, you know, that people would do, like there was always a huge volunteer group, and some people volunteered because that's how they helped pay for them their way to come. But some people volunteered to be a part of it. What? are you doing as far as volunteering and is there a way that people can volunteer to be a part of this or would that come out to under the part of the 365 in their community in another way? So we actually uh, had a, a volunteer cohort, a group of people who were under training and were, were meeting months prior to the, uh, the pivot to, to virtual for our in-person. So a number of those folks will be joining us uh, for production of our, as volunteers at uh, in March 8, 19th and 20th. So, uh, but if folks are still interested in volunteer opportunities or wanting to know how they may be able to support us throughout the year doing whether it's uh, 365 or even in San Francisco in 2023, they should definitely just, just email us at Creating Change. So I have to tell you, even though we live in the same city, okay, I always saw Dave wait at Creating Change because, yeah, I mean, it was like, oh, here you are again. I mean, even though we're in the same city, it was like we never, we could go all year without seeing each other, walking to creating change, and there he was. So, <laughs> uh, and so you think about that, you know, but there were people who wanted to be involved, you know, just, just that, that they were so helpful. Volunteers are so helpful. Um, so you're going to have a weekend. Okay, people can register like yesterday, folks, you know, register yeah. to come. Um volunteers, you can find ways to volunteer. What are going to be some of the activities that you hope that will come out of doing it year-round? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you want to jump in, Danny. I mean, I, from my perspective, it's, it's the opportunity to bring up really super timely issues. You know, I mean, uh -huh. you know, it, it's really obvious. Of course, we can do things around pride. We can do things around you know, like uh, like a certain Heritage Month, Women's History Month, things like that, you know, uh, Trans Day of Visibility. But it also gives us the opportunity to be a little more fast on our feet and engage folks. And this is, boy, if there was a year to do it, it's this year, yeah. you know, uh -huh. around all the things that are happening, whether it's these statewide, um, you know, uh, legislative attacks on trans kids, whether it's, um, you know, uh, the elections that are coming up and the midterms and, you know, the incredible need for our community to mobilize, whether it's, you know, continuing to fight for the Equality Act. There's so much that's happening. I mean, we've been, you know, in, with the in-between times where we could safely travel before the, the Omicron variant, um, we were in front of the Supreme Court because abortion rights are under attack. And, you know, if, if in April this, uh, you know, decision comes down from the Supreme Court that overturns Roe v. Wade, it, for sure we'll be, we'll be, creating a space for people to come on and not just talk about it, but get a sense of what they can do about it. You know, how to, 
uh, how to engage folks and how to get uh, folks active uh, and making a difference in their communities and, and across the country is, is a big is a big part of this. Um, this is not just, as you know, creating change. It's, it's called creating change for a reason. That's what we want. That's what we want people to to come out of it to do. You know, you read my 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 mind because I was thinking that as you're doing it, even in this way, isn't it? It's also a way to like engage people to where. You know, often when people think about, well, women's history month or women's health issues, and they'll say, oh, well, abortion. But, you know, many communities of color, uh, many women go to clinics that also provide abortion. And I could see how by doing that, we could show up. And that also helps that, you know, the people will go like, oh, well, you know, we only see you if it's an LGBT issue. But actually, we're there. They don't really recognize it. And by doing, creating change all year, we can show up, you know, visibly show up. We can rally the troops to make sure that people know, no, we don't just show up. We're always here. We, as members of the LGBTQ community, we wear many hats, you know, we wear many hats, and we, we stand behind many causes, and so this is a way to mobilize us, and visibility matters as people see us standing out in front of the Supreme Court, in front of state legislatures, fighting with people for equal rights for all. It's going to move the bar so that someone won't say, I don't know anybody gay. They're going to say, hey. Kathy was out there in front of the Supreme Court standing next to me, you know, so I want to hear about her. Is that hopefully, not hopefully, is that definitely one of the things that is going to come out of having all year? Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's part of the work we do all the time. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the ways we've been talking about this, particularly recently, given how this year has started off, you know, legislatively and otherwise, I mean, we're looking at attacks, and we need to really connect the dots. So it's really, when you're attacking someone's bodily autonomy, that can be about abortion, and queer people get abortions, or reproductive, <laughs> access to reproductive uh, health, right, access to birth control, or, or for parents of trans children, access to health care. You know, mm -hmm. a large percentage of, of trans individuals get their health care from places like Planned Parenthood. We're working on a project next month uh, with Imara Jones from Translash, uh, called mm. Trans Bodies, Trans Choices, to talk about the intersections of reproductive rights work and the trans community. It's huge. And the same with access to voting rights, access to our very democracy. Voting rights and all of the attempts to stifle voting rights uh, impact queer and uh, uh, communities of color much more disproportionately. You know, and so, and, and I think that we have to really be looking at, you know, those, those prongs that really pertain to so many diverse communities, maybe in somewhat different ways, but they all intersect. Um, and it's just, it's, you know, it's really important. I mean, the, the other piece of this, and we're seeing this in places like Texas, and, you know, you can look at book bans, and you can also look at attacks on critical race theory. They're all coming from the same place, and they're all said in the same sentence, in the same breath. So it's about accessing information about diverse communities. That includes us. And so we either need to all figure out a way to stand together around these things, you know, and look at how they intersect, 
or we're watching our democracy crumble before our eyes and watching our civil rights crumble before our eyes and watching our access to, to our own democracy crumble. It's really, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very disturbing. It's really frightening. Um, we are in a really challenging place this year. And so, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is where the rubber hits the road. People need to, to get involved and get engaged and understand what's at stake. There's a lot, there's a lot at stake. You know, and, and I, there's a reason, Danny, there's a reason you're there. There's a reason that all this happened because, you know, we had those eight wonderful years of our 44th president. Mm -hmm. And some of us have gotten, like, so comfortable, like, oh, well, next week it's uh, the reception at the White House and we can go do this and that. And then the rubber hit the road. Reality hit in. And we saw, you know, not only were we under attack, so many things health care, voters' rights, all these things are under attack. Trans women, trans men are still getting care. All these things are under attack that, you know, maybe, maybe the universe was saying, you know, we don't need to have a big family reunion. We need to get motivated, mm -hmm. educated, politicized so we can get out there and really do what we're about, creating change. Mm-hmm. Well, if that is what the universe was telling us, trust me, we are listening. All right. <laughs> and yeah, we, are, we are motivated and ready to pounce. <laughs> I mean, I think that that is just a... So I want you to talk about the 50th anniversary and then come... Well, I don't... You tell me how you want to do it. Tell me, either tell us what we need to do for this year to be involved, what we're going to see, and then talk about the 50th anniversary or vice versa, whichever way works best for the two of you. Well, I would just say, you know, the best way right now for folks to be involved is just to uh, be involved, and that means uh, registering for the, the 2022 conference, and uh, just being available for that, as well as the round of uh, presentations that we will be doing throughout the year on Creating Change 365. The culmination, I see, of all of this is the work towards the building of uh, and just building that excitement, anticipation towards the big five, as I call it, the big five O. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That was a few years ago, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my 5 was many years ago. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, the 50th anniversary of the task force where we will certainly have our history on display, that will be a wonderful uh, and well-conceived opportunity for all of us to congregate in person, it has, I'm, I'm betting bottom dollar on it that this will happen. It has to happen. All of that energy that we were going to bring to an in-person in New Orleans, double that. Double the capacity, double the attendance, uh, just double everything. And just bring all of that to a 50th anniversary celebration. Uh, and I will let Kathy speak a bit more about some of that and the history. 
I am already halfway there. I mean, yes, I'm preparing for 2022, but immediately after this call, like I'm ready to go to the hotel and start looking at meeting space. <laughs> talking to people and just and just getting this together so think about it what we're really doing here is we are planning a 2022 conference and just you know getting ready to present that it's planned in just over two weeks then at the same time planning a series of events to be presented as creating change 365 while also concurrently spinning that plate for 2023 San Francisco. So what you, I think your question is what can we do, what can we do to help to support, just be there. <laughs> but, 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 but for 2020, you know, and 2022, but, uh, you know, because some people are going to act like they don't know, there is a fee. I mean, folks, many people think, oh, it's virtual. It isn't costing them anything to do this. You know, we should just be able to get the Zoom number and go and watch it. Oh, yeah. a registration fee. There, um, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was going to say that there is definitely a registration fee because people don't just don't show up. The production team doesn't show up just because – you know, we want to, yeah, we, if every, so many things should be free, <laughs> but they can't be. So the reality of the situation is no one is turned away for lack of income. I mean, we have a staggered rate. We ask, you know, the general virtual registration fee for the 2022 conference is $475 uh, for, for all that content. Uh, if you are a presenter or an advocate, or you can pay 275, that works better for you. But if you're really virtual limited income for $100, you can still attend the conference. No one is turned away. We ask that you pay accordingly. Res- respect the fee structure and understand that. Uh, we are unable, we are a nonprofit ourselves, we are unable to present or to do all of the things that we want to do without the help of the community. And that help comes through, our support rather, comes through registration fees. Yeah, I mean, and, and, if, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to give you a plug too. If you go to that website and you see the people who are going to be Speaking, the people who are going to get awards. If you were going to, you know, you, you you're not just going to walk up on them in the in the corner box. This is like premium, amazing, inspirational people, you know. And it takes a minute to put this together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not doing anything. The, uh, my family, <laughs> uh, my family, they were ready to do it, you know, but they came back, and you guys thought about it, and you have put together a powerful weekend program, something that you're going to be inspired and talk about the rest of the year and make you want to go do things. It is every bit worth what you pay. And like I said, nobody's turned away, but if you got it, pay what you can. You know, there's ways that you, that you I mean, this is worth it. I'm just looking at these people. Some of them, you know. 
some of the speakers and the special guests. I mean, it's like, it's worth it. It, it is more than worth it. And can you put a price on filling your spirit up and feeling good and feeling empowered? There's no price of it. You know, you can't put on it. You're rich. You're going to come away from this rich. So that's mm-hmm. my spiel. Okay. <laughs> but having said all that, start saving that money for 2023. Mm-hmm. <laughs> San, Francisco, San Francisco ain't cheap. <laughs> That's right. But I, I think it's actually going to be really awesome. We've never been in San Francisco. We've never done creating change in San Francisco. So it's, really, right? Yeah. I know, right? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, we focus on cities where we can build, you know, community infrastructure and 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 leave behind, you know, um, and make a mark. But uh, you know, I think we've never been there. It's our 50th anniversary. Obviously, you know, it's a, a queer mecca like some other cities in this country. I don't want to cause any turf wars. I'm in New York. San Francisco or L.A., whatever. Um, but uh, it's really going to be special. I mean, I think that's it's really going to be special. And I think what, what Danny said is right. You're going to see our history on display. And I don't mean like just up on the wall. Like, it's going to be living history uh, if, if I have anything to say about it. And I've been talking to some folks like Ginny Puzo and others mm-hmm. who were really there at, you know, the very beginning. And so I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be really amazing. Uh-huh. You know, to, to be able to be in San Francisco, to be amongst people. I mean, you never know. Like I said, you know, I sat down for a drink. I was sitting talking to Kyler Brodus, and who comes in, Andrea Jenkins. That was before she even thought she was just being a poet and an actor. Nice. I mean, now, you, know, you don't know who, you know, I know one, at one point I was sitting next to Barbara Smith. You don't know who oh. you're going to turn around and look who you're sitting oh, right next to. You know, you're going to be sitting right next to somebody, a Kathy Renner or the new kid on the block, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> You just don't know who you're going to be rubbing shoulders with, who will become a friend for life and inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know. So That is so, uh, so true. That's so true. Uh-huh. You, you never know at a, at a conference, uh, and I'll just say this, I remember nearly 30 years ago at my first uh, National Minority AIDS Council conference, which was back then skills building, national skills building, it's now the United States Conference on AIDS. I picked up the phone and was talking to someone who was interested in coming to the conference. This person was from Billings, Montana, which was to me at that time the end of the earth, and I had no reference for Billings, Montana. And somehow we became we met at the conference, became fast friends. Fast forward to Christmas 1997. Didn't I spend Christmas with he and his husband? And then at that time, his daughter, Christmas, in Billings, Montana. Loved that family dearly. So anything can and will happen at a conference. You know, you can meet the love of your life. You can meet the person who you're going to spend the next holiday with. You just don't know. And to me, this part of the question mark and the mystery of it all, it 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 makes it magical. Uh-huh. So one last question: um, In 2023, are you going to go back to January or are you going to stick with March? 
We're actually in February. In Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got you there, Michelle. Trick question. Yeah. We're actually uh, February 17th through the 21st. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, you're going to be my Valentine, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> it's post-Valentine. I'll check with my wife. That's probably fine. Okay, you know. She you know, might, she might we'll come to this I... one, though. She'll want to come to San Francisco. Well, hey, I I would love to, to meet her, too. You know, uh, it's just great. And Danny, you know, hey, <laughs> at some point in time, I'm going to tell you right now, you got a hug coming from me. Oh, yeah. I'm we there. are family. Yes. So look for the guy who's wearing the new kid on the block T-shirt. That will be me. <laughs> you stole my I idea, Danny. I was already thinking about that. There you go. <laughs> so, okay. The Creating Change 2022 is going to be online March 19th and 20th. Register now. Mm-hmm. Pay all you can. I'm not going to say pay as little as you can. Pay all you can to support That's it. right. <laughs> and, start, and start Danny and Kathy and the whole crew will be the very next day on the 21st starting working on creating change year 50, 2023 in February. And now, Danny, now this is important. If you want to have your job tomorrow, what is that? What is that website? <laughs> it is www.thetaskforce.org backslash creating change. Okay, Kathy, we can keep him. <laughs> Be the keeper. Be the keeper. Well, I want to thank you both for being with me tonight. Um, I will see you on, at one of the events for on the 19th or 20th. I'll be there. You might not see me. I'll be on mute. You know, if my hair is not combed, you know, that's one of the beauties about it. You don't have to worry about packing any clothes and being cute. You know, I might be here my PJs, hair uncombed, but I'll be, I'll be participating. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Oh. It's great, as always, to talk yeah. to you. Okay, and you guys stay well, be well, and keep up the good work. We will. We will, promise. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. I want to thank my guests, Kathy Rinna and Danny Linden. Registration is open for Creating Change 2022 now. It's taking place virtually March 19th and 20th. You can get all the details and register at www.thetaskforce.org slash creatingchange2022. That's thetaskforce.org slash creatingchange2022. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. 
You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.